Hello folks, hope you're staying cool out there. Welcome to another episode of Black Man in the Right World, hosted by the lovely Mike Thompson and Grand Harvey. Take it away, boys. Hey everybody, this is Mike. And this is Grant. And today, in commemoration of our 10 episode anniversary, we're talking about friendship. Talking about our friendship, his friendship, her friendship, they friendship. When to hold on to these friendships and when to drop them like it's hot. Sounds like this is going to be a good one. Let's get into it. <laughs> that was good. Is it good? It's not yeah. that good. Like, I, I think I need to take singing lessons. I'm going to take singing lessons. I'm going to tell them, just give me like baseline good so that I can just be like a Broadway star. Not saying that Broadway stars are not Damn. good singers. <laughs> but I just know that I'm a great performer. So like, I can't sing well now, but if you can just give me, be able to sing a Disney song, it's over. Well, but what if they, what if they accidentally unlock you and then you become like Whitney Houston or something? Oh, then it's a wrap. Then it's the, it's the end of the world for everybody. Like everybody should <laughs> resign. Joe Biden should resign. Donald Trump should resign. Vladimir Putin should resign. Why do they have to resign? Because I will be the world leader. If I <laughs> if I could sound like Whitney Houston, it's a wrap. It's over. So People, you're saying you immediately use your newfound power for good, evil, control? A little bit of both. Okay, a little yes. bit of all of it. I, they would probably write a book about me in the Bible. <laughs> they add a book? They would add a book. After Revelation? Yeah, Post after Latter-day Saints. It would be another Latter-day Saint. It would be me. Oh, wow. More. The latter, latter, latter day. So you're going to become the leader of the Mormon church. Yes. All if I could sing well. Gotcha. So who, if anyone's like a voice teacher out there, hit, hit a brother up. So I yeah. Can... Any Mormons want a new <laughs> book in your Bible? <laughs> That's all I wanted. Just to be like able to sing Disney songs at like a high volume. Yeah, I mean, that would be pretty cool. Because I feel like I always get, like, halfway through. I mean, my problem is I just can't remember lyrics for anything. Really? Yeah, I think that's I feel like white people damage. always know lyrics for stuff. Well, yeah, I feel like I know, like, one line of lyrics, and then I start singing, and then I realize I don't know the rest of it, and I just stop. Oh. So it'll always be like, let's get down to business. To defeat the Hun. Well, okay, that one's cheating because I do know that yeah, part. Yeah, everybody but. knows that one. But, like, I know the lyrics to the Disney songs. But, like, I feel like in high school, like, all my friends and, like, will always know all the fucking rap lyrics and shit. And they would be, like, rapping them to me. And I'm just listening closely for the way. Oh, them because they had the stuff to prove. Yeah, they, that's they true. Have, they had to prove themselves to you. And I'm that's like, I don't, know, I don't know Nan lyric to nobody. I was like, I don't give a fuck about all of that. That's too much work to be researching the lyrics and shit on, you know, the internet. and like, well, it's like people memorizing like sports stats and stuff. It's like, yo, obviously have something to prove. I hate that. I but like, I mean, I do it with like video games and movies. What, you learn all the lyrics to a video game? No, like the stats All the lines stuff. to the movie? <laughs> like, I know every line to this movie. Okay, I'm actually pretty bad with quotes, too. Like, I'll, I'll start a quote, and then Lizzie will always have to correct me. Like, that's not the quote. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. You're an exception to the rule. But yeah, I think it's because I, you know, had problems with the, you know, mem- memory, uh, memorization. Remember, I, obviously, you always have, you, <laughs> I think you have memory problems uh, your whole life if, up until now. Like I literally asked you, like, what was that thing you just said, like five seconds ago? And you'd be like, huh? What? What? Did I said something. Wait, you said that earlier? Yeah, See? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. This is why, Mike. I, this is a very special occasion. What? What's a special occasion? This is our ten episode mark. Oh my god, we made ten episodes. We made ten episodes of the show. We 
accomplish something in our lives. We solved racism, guys. We yes, we did. That's a line from our TV pilot we made years ago. We'll tell you all about that soon. We don't want to talk about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's still kicking. it's still an open wound. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> I am I've kind of moved on, but like it was very yeah. That was a line from that TV pilot we made, which ended up being more or less like about our real life, but not and our friendship. Well, in particular, like us riding it out and then uh, you working at a vegan restaurant. Like we have this weird power where we can like write things into existence. It's yes. Like, like that. It's like a movie like that. Ink, ink heart or whatever, yeah. where he would like write shit down and then like it would come true. Or I always think about the Goosebumps episode, the Goosebumps TV show where the kid starts writing about like clowns, like kidnapping his sister or something and then the clowns show up that night oh my gosh i don't don't remember that but yeah i literally we in the our tv pilot we made we made the character who was me i was playing him and we're like oh he works in like a vegan restaurant that like serves alcohol and he's like a barista and i remember we got in the argument with some you know director or something like that like this is not even practical like that's not even a real thing lo and behold couple years later, I fucking become a barista at uh, Gratitude. Yeah, which is a vegan <laughs> which restaurant, was a that, vegan serves restaurant that serves alcohol. Yeah. Uh, it was hilarious. So I was like, damn, maybe we need to write a fucking pilot that's just like me being like owning my own like island and like living in a castle and yeah, riding dragons or some shit. Basically, you inherit the power of voice singing. Yes, I got to be a singer. And then you move to a private castle with all the millions of dollars that you made. And then you have to fight off dragons when the coming uh, apocalypse happens. Basically, so we're down. just writing the book of Mike, <laughs> Latter so Day Saints. This is gonna be this is sacrilegious. This is so sacrilege, but I don't care. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I guess we shouldn't be sacrilegious just to one particular religion, but oh, it's gonna be in all the books. Every book, yeah. Don't get it twisted. Okay. Gonna, this is gonna be translated into all of them. Every wow. religion gonna be talking about me, um, <laughs> but I also, other than our ten tenth episode, I think uh, this is such an interesting turning point in time for our friendship because you know, like we've lived together for so long. Yeah, uh, ten years. How old do you feel now? How old do you feel now? Uh, <laughs> not ten years. It's seven not. Years. It's not been ten years yet. It's been seven years, but. Yeah. It's still that's a fucking long ass time to be living with someone that's not like your family member. Like it's true, your significant other. So it's just interesting. But I guess let's just jump into it. So like, since we're talking about friends and friendship, let's start off with our friendship. And what do you like about our friendship? What do I like about our friendship? Yeah. Um. I nothing. (laughs) That's it. I got nothing. No. He's just deadpanning me. Yeah, I'm, you can't I'm, see I'm burning <laughs> holes into his head. <laughs> He's just giving me the a fuck death you glare mean right now. Um, no, I, what I love about our friendship is just like talk about everything and anything. Like this podcast literally started because we, for years, seven years, would just have conversations like this and just be talking for hours. And then eventually we're like, you know what would be smart to actually like record this and, you know, m- turn this into something because, you know, we spend so much time doing this. Um, and then also we just, I feel, I feel pretty confident to say that we're always there for each other. Um, you know, occasionally we're because not. Because we can't go anywhere because of quarantine. But not just, <laughs> no. because of this time period, just in general, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. Like, I obviously agree. there are th- things that we both have to do on our own and venture off and, you know, sp- 
split ways here and there. Um, but I feel like for the most part, we're pretty, we're pretty there for each other. What about you? Uh, I would say I like that. Like you don't, you haven't run away yet from like my craziness. Cause I feel like I'm intense, but, uh, no, I just think, I think communication is very important. And having someone to talk to and not have to worry about me saying something off the wall or being very dramatic or hyperbolic in how I describe things. Because, you know, sometimes I can say something that, like, I can go to 150, but I'm just trying to get to, like, 75. But I just mm-hmm. I put a lot on it because I'm extra. So, like, sometimes people who don't know me very well can be like, oh, my God. Like, he just said that, like, all women should just cut all men's dicks off. I'm like... Okay, I said that, but like I'm just saying men are problematic and misogyny is an issue and like women need to just I'm supporting women if they want to just fuck us up like, you know, institutionally. But <laughs> the way I verbalize it would be like cut all that dicks off. Yeah. So like uh it's like, you know, I sometimes can be intense. But you have you whether through time or through just understanding and communication have learned like we can really communicate with each other and then that that opens up this new ability to like be like the black guy and the white guy and people from, you know, different parts of California and growing up, you know, different ways and stuff like that. And we're able to talk and communicate about that and like become a full robust human being because we're able to take both experiences and like fuse them together. Mm. So we're like, we're like a a Voltron power Rangers (laughs) machine of like suburban children who grew up into like writers yeah actually like, exactly that like, i'm the head you're probably you're like the torso or something well so we don't have, so what we need is we need some arms and legs we got some we have we're working on those we're working on the arms and legs it's uh, like, so if anyone's out there with investor money yeah you can <laughs> please fund our arms and, the and legs of this voltron so we can take this road show on the show wait <laughs> road show on the road what do you dislike about our friendship uh that's damn do you have an answer to this because uh, Not to deflect. I don't want to deflect, I, but that's a heavy question. The thing question. I think I will dislike about our friendship is that I know that you sometimes can blindly support me. And so mm. just as much as you can understand my hyperbolic conversation and stuff like that and, and, and like, uh, like me exaggerating and things like that and you and you, you take everything I say with a grain of salt but also listen and hear me out that also can be problematic because sometimes I can get away with more or you're not going to you're not going to give me as much tough love as like some random person would because they don't know me like you're you're gonna like nurt I feel like there's a, an ability to like want to nurture me or yeah, protect me you, you which is talk- good but like sometimes you know I'm like yeah. Let me let me like tell me if I'm making Dish a mistake. Yeah. yeah. We also do. We, we talk about this a lot off the air about like we need to fight more on the podcast. But I'm always like, what do we need? What do we need to fight about? I just want to fight you. I just like, <laughs> I'm like why? I need to cuss a bitch out. Just because I'm the representation of everything that's wrong in this world. Yeah. Everyone. Mean, everyone wants to fight me, Mike, all the time. I'm I just, just I'm I very you. triggering to people. And I go. It goes red. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair. Yeah, and, I, and we've yeah, talked about just, that. You're that's, just a good, you're just a good person. And sometimes, like, I don't need a saint; I need a sinner <laughs> to like help me like destroy the world. Well, is your goal to destroy the world? Because then we have different goals. Oh, <laughs> um, well, I'm glad we discussed it now. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You know this. This is once again of me 
Come I on. think it's like it's about dismantling systems, right? It's about like taking the things that are messed up and pulling them apart and looking at the insides of them. So like our friendship, which I'm about to do. What do I dislike? Um, I think for me, the thing that I dislike is I dislike when we have these moments where we think the other one is maybe doing something more important. And then that like keeps us from like moving forward with stuff or like we second guess. I think we can second guess each other's intentions sometimes. Cause like we have a lot of projects that we like have either talked about or started or are in progress. And I think sometimes we're a little bit like, it's maybe a, a offshoot of what you said in that, like I can be maybe a little lean on you or, or you can be leaning on me and we don't like move the needle on those things. Like it took us a long time to start the, even this podcast. And yeah. it was, it was after just like us being like, we need to just do it that we finally decided to do it. So I just need to go in there and just, like, shut off World of Warcraft. Like, turn this shit off. Let's yeah, do and also, <laughs> like, I don't play it all the time. Like, there's a lot of times where I'm just in there reading fucking articles and, like, Reddit rabbit holes and all sorts of stuff. That's worse. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's, like, I think that in the same way that, like, you want me to push you a little bit more and, and you know, call you out on things, likewise, like, I, I need a little bit more of that fire back because I think my status quo, my, my like, yeah, my, my baseline is to be a little bit more slow on things and passive. Yeah. Um, And I will say like, this isn't, I think this year especially has been a year that like I have had, like I've listened to a lot of the push that friends or family people gave me and I would stop taking people's shit. Like, you know, for so long I'd be like in some kind of weird position and, you know, subordinate job or something like that and let people kind of talk down to me or be susceptible to some kind of microaggressions or some kind of crap and then I would like let it play out and then be miserable Uh, and then everyone around me would be like no you need to stop you need to like take you need to speak up and do things you know put more value into yourself and then so I found I have been listening to that so like while I say that I do the things I dislike about our friendship there have those things have been challenged and have been I kind of more or less resolved and especially in this most recent time. Yeah. So. I, I, I definitely see that. And I definitely think that that's true. Um, yeah. I think friends just in general need to push each other a little more. Like, yeah, the, yeah. like we'll get into this a little bit later, but like, I just think that friends are a little too lenient with each other. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just our friend group. Maybe it's just everyone's living their own individual lives. Like, I don't know. But I think in general, we can be a little more pushy because I think the people who care about you, they can take it. Like, yeah. you'd be surprised the, the, you'd be surprised about the strength of some of your relationships. Like, people aren't going to, like, you know, get rid of you or, or write you off just because you give them one critical piece of feedback. They might though. Some people do, but those people weren't really riding for you in the first yeah, place. Yeah, that's what I said. You gotta learn you gotta be ready to get rid of the people who are a waste of your time. Yeah. And kinda of drop them. <laughs> have you had any like friends or friend groups that you've dropped like over the years? Like have you have you lost friends or ever had to deal with that? There's definitely been friend groups that just kind of just faded away. Um, but the thing is, like, none of them, I, I never had, like, huge falling outs so where people were, like, we were just done and we didn't want to be friends anymore. The only one I would say that kind of completely went away was I, my friends from when I was, like, in elementary school and then we went into high school. That, that time, like, those people started changing. 
the friends I made in high school pretty much I still I still consider them acquaintances, friends or whatever, and we still kiki every now and then or whatever. Whole you know we'll DM each other stuff like that. Yeah. But the ones that I had from elementary school for the most part kind of went away because as they got older, you know everybody has a certain idea of how they need to act in high school. Mm. And stuff like that, or you know, Bakersfield, they're becoming a little more racist now because they're getting a little bit older and a little more uh foolish. So he stopped being friends with them. But most of those ones that have acted a damn fool and kind of became racist and shit are like borderline crackheads. So like it's fine. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> damn. I don't I don't I don't wish bad about any uh ill upon anyone, but like at the same time, like whatever. I'm glad I've dodged you because I probably have been a crackhead too if I would have stuck around y'all. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that is true, though. The transition from middle school to high school is super weird. Like, if you're able to keep those friends that you had in that time, like, period of middle school going into high school, I think that that's really special and beneficial because there were, I think there's maybe two friends that I have that uh, were I was friends with in middle school who I still would talk to today, um, but I certainly don't ever see them or, like, I rarely see them, I should say. But the friends that I made in high school, I still, for the most part, keep in contact with. Although I went through a weird thing where I had a fa- three phases of high school. There was like the transition from middle school to high school friends. Then there was the my period, my year where I wasn't really friends with anyone and really like kind of sad and depressed. And then there was the so that that's that doesn't count. That's like my non friend phase. Then there was the phase where there was the friends that I made that were was coming out of that phase. But they were all older than me and they all graduated. And then there was like the friends who I still have today who are the friends that I made like right when I was about to graduate, which were all younger than me. And those are some of the people that you know and have met that were from my hometown that we still hang out with. The exception being Kyle Loskamp. He's a friend of mine who I met during my like really emo phase and like we're still friends today. How old were you then? I was a sophomore in high school, so 14, 15. Okay. Wow. So I've met like your high school friends. I... Yeah, y'all don't think you met any of my high school friends. I don't. I think am so. a little older than you, though, so they like they're farther they're further away from my like world here. Uh, yeah, because well, they're they, all like married and have kids, right? Yeah, I mean, one of them just. Uh, I mean, I guess he's. I would. I consider him like a nephew since he's a really good friend of mine. But yeah, he was just born uh, like a week ago, a couple two weeks ago. <laughs> Dang. So yeah, it's like he fresh. He knew, uh, but yeah, every, most, most of my friends are all most of my really good high school friends that like we were close tight knit group mm-hmm. are all married and some have children. Dang. Uh, but um, which is awesome because I ain't gotta have none. I just like look at there and be like, that's cool, whatever. I'll just <laughs> secondary. But um, yeah, it's very interesting that. A lot of them, I guess, because you went, you ended up going to school with some of them still to college. So like, yeah, they, they were still very in close proximity or in the same area with you and like, in like LA, in the LA world and same kind of field. So right. that's why, I mean, you lucked out on that. I don't think the, the problem with me was like, I wasn't friends with all the film production kids or actor kids really. Like I knew them, but like for some reason in high school, I was like involved in the the more like preppy world, like I was, I was in S, I was in like um, ASB or whatever, you know, like mm. doing all that shit, like student leader type shit. I was like, I was the flashy 
kid who wasn't going to amount to shit after he won formal king and, you know, nominated to be prom king and all that stuff. Like, I was that guy. Uh, And then, like, then once I graduated and went on, then I started getting more focused into writing and film and stuff, like, and taking, sticking true to what I liked. But there was a lot of close friends that didn't, weren't interested in that stuff. And I feel like that's a problem is that a lot of people have these friend groups when they're younger and stuff that you actually don't even have anything in common. It's just that you guys it's like it's, live, it's more live. based on proximity. Yeah, you like proximity. So you yeah, just closeness. Yeah, and then so as you get older, you're like, well, shit, we don't even like the same shit. I don't want to hang out with you. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I think there's a lot of uh, friends of yours that have I've met because they have similar interests as you, and they still are. They have similar interests as me. Yeah, like I moved out with um, when I moved from Santa Barbara, San Inez Valley. down here to like orange county costa mesa um i moved with two of my friends um and then one of my friends moved to la a year later and he lived with my other friend kyle so like joel and kyle all lived together oh with our other friend tori meanwhile sam and i lived together in orange which is when you moved in you moved in with me sam and christian um yeah and that's so that so they're all people who were from with the exception of christian we met at chapman um, that was everyone who was like from San Inez that I moved up with. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't really know who moved to LA area, Orange County from, from Bakersfield. Like the one, the people who did, like they were all, everyone was wiped up and shit. So <laughs> I was like, I'm not about to move in with a couple. Um, most people move like to other States and stuff. So I was like, I'm good. I'm yeah. not moving to Texas or like North Carolina. Um, but then I guess what a lot of mutual friends that we have, now that like i've introduced you to and stuff like that are mostly from college of course yeah and it's interesting i feel like who has introduced the most like do i know more of your friends from college or do you know more of my friends from college i don't well i think it's so there's a two-part to this first you were you know in a fraternity so i think you knew a lot and in student government at chapman as well so i think you knew a lot more people than i did i was in a lot of shit at chapman yeah. you were you you got around not to I say that a, you're a hoe yeah. but you got I around i mean i wish i was a hoe friend wise you were a hoe uh, yeah i was um, a, i was definitely a social whore <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so like bad, but like I'm not. It's not a bad thing. Should I had fun? Yeah, but um, so I would say that just from a sheer numbers perspective, I probably know more of your friends, but I think you know all of my friends from Chapman. So, damn. If that you got like five friends. <laughs> well, I was only there for two years. Like I was talking to a professor uh, yesterday, um, and he said like he's like yeah, I think you're the person who left Chapman with the least amount of debt. Because I was there for only two years. And when you transfer to the film school as a transfer student, like, the, the timing of everything is weird. Like, you have to do two years of, like, junior-level classes and then two years of senior-level classes. But not a lot of people could start their senior level when they, like, start at Chapman. Like, I don't know if this happened with you. Your thesis was messed up, right? So you stayed three years? Uh, it wasn't... I, yeah, I had to, my thesis class I had to take... Uh, the my third year. 
that's why it's like the second part of the thesis. Yeah, so many people had to deal with that. Like Daniel Shepherdson, um, I think Matt Griner as well. Like different people that we that are mutual friends between you and I had that same issue. Whereas like me, because I took like a prerequisite class, like I was able to like get in and out in like the short two year window. So I've met very few people. Most of the people that yeah. I met were. I mean, if I was all my shit, I could have got out in two years. Yeah, I was act- I was like being also being a social like butterfly means that you're gonna be doing too much. So like, true. I was like getting three and stuff when I could have been getting four Yeah, but that's you know, fuck it. But it like, is what it is. Kalen, who was on the episode last time, he's a friend from college that you introduced me to. Um, Carlo, another friend you introduced me to. Jordan, another one of our. Ri- Previous roommates, you introduced you just me to name you. dropping everybody. I'm name dropping everybody. Well, because they all listen to the my Cade, little. Cade, someone yeah. you introduced me through through improv. Yeah, I just see. It's just yeah. always I'm just uh, meeting these different people. But I feel like we both have that like kind of connector mentality. Do you think? Like I don't know. I feel like I always whenever I meet people, I'm always thinking like who else would like them or like who else they would they like. Yeah, I mean, I I always get stressed out because I want to include everybody, but you can't. I know. Like, there's I a lot of people who do family. not like I want to include my friends. I want to include everyone. I'm like, I want everyone to be involved in everything I do. But that's so much work, and that can be stressful if you try to include every single person. Because yeah. not everybody's interested in what you're doing. Not everybody's going to get along. Yep. Which is something we've had to learn the hard way. But. Yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> we tried it, but it ain't going to always work out. So you would consider yourself popular in school, right? Um. So this is the thing. I was not a popular kid as in like I was so cool everyone wanted to be like me. That's not the popularity I had. I was popular because there's only like 10 black kids in my high school. So like of course everyone knows who all of us are. You know, we all like and we all are connected to something. We all either play basketball, track and field, uh just a nerd <laughs> or <laughs> like or a dangerous bad kid who probably fights you at recess. So like it's everybody like <laughs> Which you know, one were you? I feel like you're all for it though. Uh maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the day, that how hot it was or something like that. Yeah. No, I wasn't I did not get in fights because I was I ain't got time for that. Well, I don't know. I've been to the dean's office and stuff. In junior high, I would I would put hands on people sometimes. But every time I ever have done that, it was be it was preceded by uh, F word or not an F word, an N word, or you know something N word. I like how I'm censoring myself now, but I've been cursing for the there last was like nine episodes. Triggering stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. triggering things. So it was there. I was yeah, I was a little rowdy every now and then, but I was popular because I was the only black kid. I was a token black guy, so mm-hmm. it was something I didn't really want, but it was something I knew how to fucking knew how to navigate after a while. It's almost like popularity through notoriety. Yeah. yeah. So everybody just knew who I was. That happens with Chapman now. Like people who I went to Chapman are like, oh, I remember you or I saw you around campus and I'm like, Yeah, I saw you too. I ain't, I ain't never seen you. I ain't never seen you. I don't know you. I ain't don't know this man. <laughs> I never met this man. <laughs> I never met this man. Yeah. But yeah, it's like I always tell people like, yeah, it's so easier to like remember or recognize the one of like uh, 1% of the population and he has a mohawk like I'm the black guy with the mohawk walking around like I think it's pretty you kind of stand out a bit I kind of stick out there yeah, was posters so. of you too though because you were running for like office and stuff so I, that, my face was not on those posters but yeah my name was I don't know I can picture a poster with your face on it maybe that's just like because we have a giant cardboard cutout of your face like in our living room yeah, that I, was I can not just that, picture I wasn't that vain but yeah I think I was I think I was fairly popular in school 
for and it's yeah it's, for not always good reasons, but most people knew who I was. Yeah. How about you? Were you popular? No. <laughs> no. I don't think I've ever been popular in that regard. Aww. You ain't missing out. And all it causes is just more pain. I will say I think I get I can I find groups of people where I am popular among those people. Um and that's enough for me. Like I, I there's certain people who like they're nice. Like I, I feel like I attract pretty nice but creative people. And so like then creative people Maybe they're maybe they're they don't like me as much as they act like they do, but they're nice, so it feels like they like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm really good. I personally think I'm really good talking to people one on one. I think less so in like large groups. Um, so I think that like I'm really good at individual relationships, um, and then you know you just foster enough of those, and then you have a good group of people who you can talk always talk to. Yeah. The, how about like where were you ever bullied? Um, we talked about this a little bit in the origin stories one. I I don't think I was like bullied. I was never physically bullied, like tormented in that regard. Sometimes, but it was that was more like just like friends roughhousing. Do you still and, know who they are? Because we can we can go find them. I'm so down. There's some. <laughs> there's uh, one kid in particular who tried to add me on Facebook a couple of years ago, and I was like, nah. Um, I just most of the time, it. karma gets them. They be having beer bellies, and they be looking the skin is bad. They, they yeah. be looking tore up. But the so. thing is, like the kids that I feel like the kids that always bullied me, or like just made comments that felt like bullying to me, they were always kids who I think had were less well off than I was. I think I could tell. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like I don't really judge them for that now, but at the time, it uh, definitely made me insecure in the moments that it happened. But in hindsight, I'm like, I don't really care. But there's some people I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to, I don't want to reconnect with you. Don't, don't, don't try and put that on me. Uh, but I think for me, I was, I was definitely bullied. It's weird. Cause like, I, I have to really think about it, and it's not. It's not. It's not the bully as in the the, the type of like you're saying. It's not physical, and it's not. Uh, it wasn't like I was like tormented or anything like that. I don't want. I don't want to take away from from people who actually have experienced like physical and emotional bullying. Yeah. I think. I think my bullying came with the fact that like I had to like I had to conform a lot. So like it, I was kind of forced. I was kind of forced, and it wasn't even kids or students. It was like I was bullied by the institution. I'm bullied, I'm bullied like how you think a black person would be bullied mm-hmm. by, you know, America. Like where it's like you either gotta like take it, take it for what it is, or you're just a victim, and you're just a victim. Like you want to be, you want to be in the victim mindset. It's like that's not fair. So you're telling me I gotta either just take the beating or take feeling like isolated or feel feeling like the other or speak up about it and now it just makes you uncomfortable and now I'm just like a whiny baby so like a lot of times I would make the choice to not be that whiny baby and be like you know you know it's fine that we're not really talking about black history I'll just not say anything and I'll just sit here and be quiet or you know it's fine that like kids are calling me black Mike because there's one other you know white kid that's named Mike as well in the in the class I'm like I can make a scene about this but we're all having fun so why do why make a scene now like I, I make scenes about everything else, so like that now is not the time. And and at the and then like it became so bad that those like names and stuff stuck. 
And it, and but like at that time, I'm taking it. You know, everybody. I'm laughing with everyone, and and I'm like, I'm still a popular kid and cool. But it's like, I'm a popular kid. that's known for something I don't want, like. That's not anything about my character. I'm just known about my race. Like, oh, that's Black Mike. And I'm like, Ugh. after a while, like thinking about it as an adult, you're like, that shit kind of was stupid. And there's there even are people who like are regretting it now, you know, with the Black Lives Matter and shit blowing up. They be emailing me or messaging me and DMing me like, I want to apologize for like what I might have contributed to by calling you Black Mike or putting you in this position. And I'm like, it's cool. I get it. Like we were, it was a different time and it was, and it was the environment we were in. But yeah, I was kind of forced by society, bullied by society mm. to, to be someone who was chill and not always like starting to fight. But I will say I, I that didn't last for very long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked about this before with you, but like, you know, my sophomore year was like a time where I, I finally just said, fuck it. I ain't got time for nobody. Cause for a long time I was afraid of talking to adults because like you're just in a black culture, like, and being raised from a traditionally black family. Like I was just, you know, respect your elders and stuff like that. Like, you speak when you're spoken to so like even teachers or coaches and stuff like that i wasn't i wasn't like best buddies or friends with these people and stuff like that i would like see them for what they were like a leadership position or a teacher or something instructor but there became a time there was my journalism teacher uh and it's like a white woman who had the karen haircut the little bold karen haircut she kind of looked like ellen generous but like less nice so take that take that to heart take, think about that for a minute uh <laughs> and then um there was also this black man who was like a coach for the football team and he was uh also like uh a, some kind he worked for administration in some some regard these two people were very interesting because there was this white woman who was teaching journalism and writing which is very important to me and then this black man who's an athletic coach and also uh, involved in, in in student activities and stuff like that. This, this is my world. But both of them each kind of try to put me into this role of being that black Mike. Like, I remember my journalism class, she would always make, I would write stories about BSU, and I'd write stories about sports only, and I'd write stories about anything that, like, black people, like, would would stereotypically want to talk about. And I was like, what the fuck? I want to talk about Harry Potter, too. I want to talk about the theater kids. I want to talk about, you know, like, uh, cool movies and stuff that are out. Like, I, I, like, I like other stuff. I don't only just want to talk about black people stuff, regardless that I started a podcast called Black Man in the Right World. Yeah. I want to talk about other things. And I remember uh, she gave me this, I, like, I had to write a story about BSU, and I just like, she's like, where is it at? And I was like, whatever, I threw it away. And she's like, excuse me? And I was like, I threw it away. I didn't want to write about it. And she like t- told me not to come back to her class next year. And they're like, do you even want to be a writer? You know, and kind of, it was, it got very intense. I was the only black kid in this whole journalism class. And I remember she like kind of less trying to put me in my place and I put her in her place and I told her, fuck her and all this shit. I cussed her ass out. This was the first time I ever talked to like to an adult like that. Wow. Uh, outside of, you know, any, like anywhere. Um, and it was very interesting and just a pivotal moment where I was just like, I wasn't saying fuck you to just her specifically, but I was fuck you to you trying to like tell me that I can only do like black things and be the black guy in the class. And I can't be just a regular journalism student like everyone else. Then go to coach 
uh, almost said his name, go to the black guy <laughs> who was a coach or whatever. He was very, he, he taught me a lot and he was great. But in some, there were some instances where, you know, playing sports with him and stuff like that, where he would make comments like, oh, I'm not going to treat you, give you special treatment because like, because you're black and stuff like that. And he would say that in front of the white kids and things like that. I'm like, are you trying to impress them or something? Are you trying to like, you worried that they're going to like treat you differently cause, or be worried that you're giving me preferential treatment? Um, and so I basically just like, at that moment, I was like, fuck you to that. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to play football. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. If it's, if it's going to result to that him and I still interacted, uh, through st- academics and, uh, through administration. But when it came to sports, I was like, nah, dude, fuck that. I'm not going to sit here. And then like, I have to be the best of the best of the best. So good that no one thinks you're giving me preferential treatment. I'm just really fucking good. That means I have to work harder than everyone else. And I'm like, that's done. I want to work just as much as I want to work equally. So uh, him and her, I both said, fuck you guys, my sophomore year. And then that was like the pivotal moment where I stopped allowing myself to be bullied. Wow. And do you think that you've carried with you that, like from that moment, like that kind of like fire or tenacity, or do you think that just like, now you realize you're like, if, if it ever gets bad enough, I can always do that. Yeah. I just got to go back to that. Cause it's going to happen again, you know, like where you have a job or something where somebody kind of. I mean, there was a job where I was, uh, they made me a busboy for almost close to a year. And I had, I was coming off 12 years of restaurant experience, including management and serving. And I was a busboy. Um, and I, you know, I was trying to like, you know, I was just putting my head down and like, well, maybe they said there's not, they're going to move me up. There's just not some room. There's not enough room yet. And I'm like, after a while, I was like, this is ridiculous. Not enough room. Like, people were quitting. People were getting fired. People were, like, 18 years old, and it's their first serving job ever. And, like, <laughs> and like I'm, I'm busting their tables, and I'm a grown-ass, you know, 27-year-old man. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, wild. busting an 18-year-old kid's service tables, and he don't even know how to do his job. Um, it was, it's just, it was, it was crazy. So, like, you know, I had to snap back into it and go back in the moment. Like, do not allow yourself to be bullied by society or by these institutions. And sometimes there are people that are out there perpetuating it or like promoting it, but you gotta, you gotta just fight back to all of, all of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was probably my bullied experience. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and do you feel like when you're, when you're like, what's, where's the role? And this is kind of going off book, but where's the role of like friends when you're bullied in by society? Like, I think that's what a lot of people are, like, trying to reconcile with right now when it comes to, like, Black Lives Matter. But just anyone, any friend who's in a bad situation and they're they're telling you about it and they're saying, you know, like, oh, man, I'm in this job, but I have this abusive manager. Um, I mean, obviously, like, abusive verbally or, or whatever, not, not, not physically abusive because I think that's pretty cut and dry. But, um, you know, I have this, I'm in this toxic workplace and, you know, I'm not really feeling good. I mean, I feel like my go-to when I hear from friends it's always want to be like, help them fix it. But I know that sometimes it's like friends just need to vent. But yeah. like, where's the line between like a friend who's in a bad spot? Like, when do you step in as a friend with I, anything? Well, for me, I think, cause there's a difference between people just venting. If someone's like, Oh, I don't want to go to work today. It's Tuesday. I'm just over it. My boss talks a lot and I'm just like, I don't want to hear them talk. And like, <laughs> and, and you know, that's just normal, like job bickering complaint. But if yeah. you have a friend that's coming in, coming by every so often and bringing up to you like, oh, my God, today my boss like yelled at me and called me stupid again or something like that. But it's like maybe it's fine. Or like, you know, if you see if you if you see elements of them dismissing it 
or not kind of having like a blind spot where they're not catching that they're being a, this is a harassment or they're being abused uh, verbally and stuff like that. Uh, it's that's the moment where you got to be like, oh, no, we need to fix this. You need to get up out of this. You need you have to say something. It might it might not. You might not get the response that you want. And you might, it might cause some tension. But like, I think you there was a lot of times I brought up things in my job to you and I was like, this is what happened, and this is kind of my perception of it, but maybe I'm crazy. And you hearing it would be like, no, nah, that sounds nuts. Like, it sounds more nuts to you than it does to me. So right. then I was like, oh, well, shit, maybe I am doing something wrong here. Maybe I am, like, being a pushover. I feel like the go-to, though, is to always be like, get yourself out of that situation, for me. Which is like, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah, it's not always that easy. Yeah. Especially when there's money involved. And livelihood, you know, and rent and all these different things and all these factors. Yeah. You know, I had some jobs that, like, I was connected to through friends and stuff. So, like, it just can't. I can't just get up and leave or, you know, cause or burn bridges. Right. Yeah. That's a huge That's a huge thing, especially if you want, like, to go to the next thing and have a good relationship. Yeah. You got to, which is, you know, it's difficult. But that's why it's very important for friends to kind of be able to, to fill in those blind spots and support you, like, you can't say anything, but I can. What do you mean by that? I I mean, just it's like going back to, you know, that episode we had about being an ally. Like th- you have to take those measures and take those steps in all facets of life. Not not just like how do I be a better ally to black people because of racism. Like if mm. it's if it's taking that moment or that serious issue before you realize like how are you being a good friend or a good family member you, it's a little late it's still still work on it still do it but it is coming late those elements of like how to be a good ally is very integral to like how be how to be a good friend yeah and that i think it it works in the workplace if they're your coworker, if they're a classmate if they are your best friend from for life and stuff like that like there's so many times that i think you know in in that journalism moment where i stood up to the teacher where were what were the students in the class saying you know they did they, they, they like did they support me like no because they kept their mouth shut they're like i don't want to get kicked out of the class or i want to stay in the class and that happens a lot people don't want to get kicked out uh or be you know, they don't want to join the Black Lives Matter movement. <laughs> they don't want to speak up uh, for women's rights or something like that because, like, it, it'll cause some tension, you know. Yeah, and they, they don't want to be socially outcast. Yeah, and they want to be safe. But yeah. that that it's like, cool, then. If you want to be safe, then you need... If you want to be safe and my life is in danger, then you do not care about my life. It's true. Like... Cause I'm I'm in danger. So you have you have, if you want to if you care about me, you have to be willing to put yourself in that line of danger as well. And it's and and, and I, I hate to break it to you, but it ain't gonna be as bad as the danger that I'm in. So like it's not even that bad. You could you can be a white guy like uh, you or something and speak up for Black Lives. No nobody's gonna shoot you. I don't think or no no cop is gonna like get angry enough that he's gonna like attack you. Like if maybe if you're out there protesting and screaming at them in their face and shit, they gonna tear gas you. But like yeah, that's happened a lot. To yeah, it's happening a lot. But it's not going to be the danger is not going to be uh, equitable. It's like same thing for men like speaking out, hetero, especially heterosexual men speaking out and supporting women. It's like I don't think anyone's gonna be like. Uh, like, I don't think you're going to be physically in danger if you are trying to speak up for women that are being mistreated and stuff like that. It's, I think it's very important. No, and I think it'll change the game. It'll, it'll, it'll switch some shit up. Yeah, I think so. And I think the part of it 
is going back to that aspect of becoming socially isolated or being the buzzkill, like you said, where there's a lot of times where people maybe were, or society and the kids representing that society in school were bullying you and nobody spoke up about it and you didn't want to speak up about it because you didn't want to be the buzzkill. I think a lot of times the reason why there's so much complicity and silence in situations is because nobody wants to be the buzzkill in uh, using that term pretty liberally. Obviously, it's not a buzzkill when people are being, you know, hateful, but you do become that person that's pointing out, you know, the elephant in the room and people that makes people uncomfortable. And then you're 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 related to being you are the person that then is making people uncomfortable when really it's the society and the system that they're in being shown for what it really is that's making people uncomfortable. That's the uncomfortable aspect of it. Is that like we were all fine with this five minutes ago before anyone said something and then someone said something and now that person is the one that we're paying attention to instead of, oh yeah, maybe it was a problem that all of us in this room were ignoring that issue. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, how about friend, like friends that you lost along the way? Like, because I, I mean, I, I kind of touched on it, like friends from elementary school and stuff like that became more racist and stuff like that and disappeared. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's also sometimes it's just like distance and then time. Like I, there was a really good friend of mine. We were, we'd known each other since we were in kindergarten. So, you know, that's fucking 14 some years type shit. Uh, 15 years plus, like it's a lot. It's more than that. Yeah, I can't even do math properly, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a long time. Yeah. Um. I, it happened out of nowhere. Like, I feel like I kind of like moved. What happened to you that you like, guys fell away from each other? we just friends. Yeah, we were so close. It's like those friends where you, you think that you're going to be there on their wedding day. You're mm. going to be there when their first child is born. You're going to be there, you know, when they, when they buy their first house and stuff like that. You think those things are going to occur. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're just no longer talking to each other anymore. And at all. And it's just, it like, it blew my mind. I was like, what did I do wrong? Like, I feel like I could have tried to fix it, but like, it's just so interesting. Like, have you had any friendships like that where it just disappeared out of nowhere? Like you just fell apart? Uh, yeah, I think, I think actually one of my really good friends in middle school that happened where we drifted apart, but I think it was me drifting away from him. I think it was a situation where I was making other friendships with other people and I started pursuing those a little bit more. And then um, he was still like, you know, trying to hang out with me. And then I was like kind of torn between like the situation where I was like, there's one group of friends over here and then there's my, you know, other friend over here who doesn't, I guess he wasn't fitting in as well or as easily with them or wasn't as comfortable with them. And I think that that's a situation that in hindsight, I kind of regret because I didn't do more to include him, I think. But I didn't, I didn't, at the time, I wasn't emotionally equipped with that. I just was thinking, oh, these other friends want to hang out with me or, like, they're, I'm friends with them, so I'm going to, you know, try and do that. And then, you know, he would still, like, come by the classroom and, like, want to, like, hang out. Like, at recess, he'd, like, wait by my classroom so that we could hang out. And then, like, slowly we would drift apart in that way. And so looking back on that, I really, I, I feel really bad about that. I wish that I had done more but it wasn't a situation. It's like you said, like there was nothing that he did wrong. There was nothing that like really happened in that regard. It was just 
going two different paths, I feel like. Yeah. I Yeah, maybe I think that's probably what happened with my situation was that I did start hanging out with a lot of people from, like, my job and stuff at the time and things like that, and I, and I moved to a different area. But it's just frustrating because, like, I, I only think about... I keep thinking about how I treat it, and I'm the kind of person, like... If there was no moment of like I hate you and I never want to see you again, then that that doesn't exist. The I hate you and never want to see you again doesn't exist. We're still friends. We just some distance and some time happened. Like people have gotten married, had children, all that shit. And I'm like, you're living a whole full life too, like that I'm not part of. So like we should be able to come back and talk. So I do think though that there are situations where people will make stories. And this is something that you kind of taught me through a class that you took that helped, that helped you at the time. Um, you can t- share more about it if you want once I'm done saying my spiel here, but that people make stories in their head about situations. And then they write narratives that there's really no evidence to prove, but it just becomes truth to them because that's what they think is going on. And, and then that becomes the reality because they think oh, this person moved away and therefore they don't care about me. They never reach out to me. Well, I'm not going to reach out to them because they don't want to talk to me. And then you built this, you built this whole like false positive story. That's basically, you know, this cycle of, of, I guess we're not friends anymore because X led to Y, which led to Z. Yeah. And I, it's interesting. Cause like I definitely, when I moved away out of Bakersfield, especially, there was, I feel like there were the friends where, like, you'd be like, oh, he thinks he's too good for Bakersfield. But I'm like, see, the reality of it is, growing up in a predominantly white Bakersfield that was pretty much racist as fuck, I never felt good enough for Bakersfield to begin with. Mm. So that's why I left. It's not It's not because I felt like I'm better than it. It's just for, like, I wasn't even, I wasn't meeting their standard because their standard was, like, you know, country music, American flag, go to the racetrack. And I was like, that's cool. I can do those things, but why do you have to throw in the Confederate flag? Why do you have to throw in the N-word? Why do you have to throw in your weird condemnation of, of Mexicans? Why do you have to, like, you know, why do you have to throw in all these other problematic bullshit? So, like, that's, I was like, I'm not, I can't reach that standard. I can't reach that, that you know, general value. There's a lot of people that are good and, and decent people. I'm not, I'm not taking away from those people. But there are a lot that were problematic as fuck. And is that just because of their upbringing or is it just something that gets conflated together? It's just their upbringing. It's the, it's like, you know, it's like that dominant culture. I don't know. There's till this day, there's like friends I have or not friends. I don't even want to call them anymore. Like classmates and people that I knew them from Facebook and stuff, you know, they're still connected with. And they're just going deep into like the, you know, it's nothing wrong with being a Republican or being conservative. Like I have family members, very close family members of mine very, very close that are conservative or stuff like that. But they, they're not out there peddling these crazy theories and stuff like that or, you know, calling Kamala Harris a hoe and, 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 and saying she's not qualified and she only got to her position because of, like, she slept her way to the top. And this shit is ridiculous. Like, yeah. you look like a fucking idiot saying that shit. So you like, can disagree with her and her policies and, and maybe her career path, but, like, don't make up this crap about her sleeping her way to the top. Yeah. That's bullshit. You have to work really hard to do it when where she got, or to work really hard to get to where she got. And the, and they have the audacity to say that shit when you ain't nothing but some half-ass Bakersfield piece of shit that barely graduated high school. They got a bunch of kids, and you sitting up at home barefoot, sad with your fucking life. Didn't you sleep your way to the side? At least she, if she did sleep her way to the top, at least she went to the top. Your ass, you slept around, and your ass went lower. 
Damn, so that's like, so. Tr- I mean, be, yeah. Don't be fair. trying to call people out when your life fucking sucks. And it's like, it, but it's isn't that why people call people out though? Is this lo- feeling of inadequacy? But it's like, see, I'm not about cancel culture. I'm about read your ass to filth culture. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna cancel you. I'm gonna cuss your ass out and make you sit there and hear me because, like, I I I, I did something really liberate, liberating the other day. And I finally like started unfriending and removing some of these people that are kind of saying these bigoted, stupid shit. I wow. used to keep them all most of the time because I was like, I need to know what they're doing. You know, it's I don't know what the phrase is. You know, watch the left hand, watch the right hand. You know, whatever that phrase is, type sure. thing. Yeah. Like I just needed to know what the other side was doing just in case they planning a fucking. QAnon war or something mm. but uh now just like you know what, like someone like, posts on facebook tonight we ride yeah, or something like, oh shit y'all we need to go uh but yeah uh i just said fuck it now i just like i was like oh, i don't i want to deal with this stupid shit they look stupid they look crazy because it's like i i've watched your trajectory like of your life and you know how people on social media sometimes make their life look better than what it is yeah that's how I know how shitty their life is because they're, they're filtered pictures and they're making their life look better. It's still shitty. I'm like, <laughs> you thought you put up the best picture ever, but it ain't Hawaii. It's, you're not photoshopped and look, and look crazy. You look, you look, you're wearing a muumuu, you're barefoot and the standing in the mud of your dirty backyard that ain't got no plants in it. You look trashy. You look stupid. So it's like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry I got to read them like this, but they be saying some bigoted, stupid shit. So I'm going to comfort them like that. Like, it's, it's stupid. And I just, I kind of unfriended all of them because they always try to have that thing where, like, I'm just an outspoken person or this is how, you know, I've just, they always I just start. tell it like it is. Like, no, you don't. You don't tell it like it is because if you tell it like it is, you would tell everybody you got uh, zits on your back, you got cankles, you don't like your husband because he gained weight and became overweight. Um, and, like, it, you if you really told it like it is, you tell all of it like it is, but you're not. You you're instead kind of just trying to bash other people or put other people down. You just you just like controversy or you just miserable. So mm. I unfriended them and I was like, it's cool, it's good. I'm it's, it was liberating to just be like, I don't want to deal with them anymore. And I'm not a person who lives in like my bubble and I don't want like I hate when people say that like oh you just want to be in your bubble like motherfucker please. I'm a black man in this right world. I am not living in a fucking bubble. I, all Most people I know are, like, the black people I know are becoming doctors. Like, one of my friends, she just passed her test, so she just she's going to be a doctor. Damn, they're lawyers. Awesome. They're actors. They're musicians. They're family people. They, they're, they might be in gangs. They might have not been in gangs. They might, you know, they've been, like, it's, like, it's such a wide range of people. And then, you know, I got white people that, that, you know, from all walks of life, people from other countries and Middle East and Europe and Australia. Like, I don't live in no fucking bubble. So I think it's okay for me to get rid of those people who are saying the problematic shit because I'm not going to lose any, you know, variety of insight. I still have enough. Mm. I still have a diverse, a diverse group that, that is devoid of this crazy ass negativity yeah do you think that that's the way to handle situations on facebook now because or like any social media platform because i just feel like they're like now especially all we have is the the social media network right now but i think because of the time period that we're in ideas are getting more like people are feeling more and more cooped up and a little bit like unstable with their all these conspiracy theories that people are coming up with or, you know, just getting radicalized in different ways. And, you know, we're, we're all watching this unfold on our phones and there's a lot of people who maybe we haven't seen in years 
that we're still following because we're still holding on to that connection, whether it was like you worked with this person or they're a mutual friend of a mutual friend. And, and you're just seeing this kind of like insanity bubble up in different ways. Do you think that sometimes it's good to cut your losses? Because I don't know, I feel bad writing people off. Personally. Yeah, I think it is if, if you see this not going anywhere. Because like this, they're like, they, this isn't my job. I'm, I'm trying to mend and, and deal with, you know, the natural friendships and the people that I, that I care about and care about me. Uh, like they, we have a lot to work on. We, and I have a lot to fix for myself and, and, and help them and stuff. I can't help somebody that just wants to hurt people or bring people down. I want to help people that want to help people. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's not, I'm not going out there and trying my best to, to change the minds of these crazy bigot people who just like to talk shit. Like, what would it, you do if someone said that about you? Like they said, Oh Mike, I listened to your podcast. You were talking about all these, you were saying all this shit about all these people from Bakersfield. You know, what would you do? I said it and I'll say it again. And I, the, uh, <laughs> But, uh, pulling, a, pulling a Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with me. No, my thing is, I I am, I am 100% open to a dialogue with them. If they are fucking man or woman enough to come at me and have a real conversation where I can, uh, where we can talk about why they have to say such bigoted uh, things or negative things and they act that way on social media, I'm open to having that conversation. But they don't want to have that conversation because I say plenty of shit on Facebook and so and Instagram. And you think they're afraid of you and, and I don't see them network? coming. I don't see them disagreeing with me. Most of the time they're just like, oh, Mike, I love you because you say what you want to say. And I'm like, is that how you really feel? Because 30 minutes ago you just said, you just went off the handle about like, uh, liberal people and stuff like that. So it's like, you don't actually agree with me. You disagree with me, but you're just afraid that I'm going to read your ass t- to sleep. So like, you know, <laughs> like it's, I, it, there's a difference. I'm not, I'm not, I'm telling people, I'm saying people who are negative and who are trying to harm people aren't shit, aren't worth anything. Not just a regular, not a, just an average group of people because of their identity or their ethnicity or their sexual orientation. I'm not trying to put any of that down. But yeah. people who people who are trying to harm other people, that shit needs to stop. I ain't, I don't have energy for it. I'm gonna fuck you up. Yeah. So I know, and you know verbally go, most likely because I ain't a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> verbally fuck you up using the pen, not the sword. Yeah. Um, going back to something else you just said. You're you know you're still trying to build connections and and fix uh, not necessarily fix but work on the relationships with people who do actually, who are actually here for you and are actually trying to support each other. I think there's, there's something to be said about the lack of this dialogue and communication amongst even our closest friends that we care about. Because I think that I've, I personally feel that I didn't real always realize this, but I think, I think you would be surprised the levels to which your friends will let you destroy yourself before they step in and say something. Whatever that, whatever that means, regardless of, you know, if they think you're going down the wrong path, if they think that you are, you know, maybe ignoring something that's pretty blatant or pretty, you know, um, as a red flag. Is this for a them. cry for help? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Me? I feel. Are you trying to tell me something? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I feel I'm confident kidding. in myself and and the choices that I'm making. But I think to myself, you know, there's a there's a there's a line between, you know, where you'll step in and say something and where you will just 
let people live their own life and be like, oh, wow, I'm surprised with the, with the choices that person's making in the path that they're going down without saying something for myself, you know? Yeah, I, that, that happens a lot. Like, that's one of my fears or things I, the, what I was kind of getting to when I said I disliked about our friendship was just something that you could dislike about any friendship is the fear that, like, there could be moments where you are allowing me to destroy myself because you don't want to hurt me. Yeah. And so you like you think about that and then like that can occur with so many friendships or family that like there are so many people that'll be like, I don't want to like I don't want to cut them off or I don't want to call them out or I don't want to tell them that that might be a bad decision because then they're going to feel bad about it. So then you let them continue to uh, live throughout that bad decision or those bad choices. And I'm like, no, that's not good. And let's be clear. You don't always know what's right. For someone else. Yeah, you, you, don't, do you don't have an answer, so that's yeah. the hard part. But if you're, like, if someone, if, if you were to say to me, Mike, hey, Grant, I think that this choice that you're making is wrong. And I think the reason it's wrong is because it doesn't align with the vision for your life that you told me. Right? And not just a vision that I told you seven years ago, but a vision that I told you last week. Or a vision that I told you a, a year ago. You know, things that are still important to me now. Um, and you say, Hey, this choice that you're making, this isn't aligning with that, um, that you said then, okay, your vision for me and my vision for me are in alignment. So I need to listen to you. Um, but if, but if I have like a vision for my life, that's like, you know, different than what I originally started to do and, and, um, you're, you're still holding on to that original vision. And I'm trying to tell you like, Hey dude, I'm like going down a different path. Like we gotta, like, you have to accept that your friend is consciously making that choice but sometimes they're unconsciously making choices and then that's when you got to be like dude this is not what you want to be doing you know like based on your own words that you told me because i think a lot of times we'll do that we'll 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 do things contrary to what we really want why i don't know because we're feeling crazy cooped up in our house yeah i mean it's like cabin fever we're like the whole united states and the world is getting cabin fever and going nuts and some of that is translated into like heightened bigotry heightened prejudice heightened insecurity imposter syndrome like everything is getting like intensified and i think that's why it's so important for friends and family right now to remember day one and and remember how you felt on day one and and go back to that because we i know we're in like day 200 or something or 100 and something i don't know the math but you got to go back to to what it was think about like i'm I'm thinking about how how you and i were friends before quarantine before 2020 before we moved on this side of la like where did the friendship start think about that same with like your parents or your your brother and sister and stuff like that you might have gotten to a tiff or some kind of squabble or confrontation recently but remember the root of your relationship and that's what should bring you back to a solution like i'm single and you know life's sad and sucks whatever i'm trying to go on tinder and all that but it mm-hmm. went you know in, in especially in a relationship even dating it's like if you can remember what the reason why you started dating that person if that still is true and still holds true then you should the relationship can be fixed or it can be mended or this argument ain't that big of a deal yeah like <laughs> so like and i think relationships are stronger than we give them credit for like people aren't going to just immediately be like i'm writing you off unless they are those people we talked about earlier which is the people who were never there for you in the first place yeah they wasn't shit to begin with yeah i think it's just important that when 
you know, you see a friend or a family member who maybe you think that they're making, you know, choices that you don't agree with or that that they're they seem like they're straying from what they told you that they wanted in their life to check in with them. You know, don't don't come at it from like a place of like, hey man, I think you're fucking up, <laughs> you know, like you're you're making wrong choices. Yeah. Um, like, shit. Definitely don't come at it ultra negative because the only thing you're gonna get back is deep defensiveness, you know. But I think it's worth it to speak up and be like, how are you doing? Like, how, how do you think, you know, are you still working towards what you want? Like, what do you want? You know, without, without sticking your nose in something that maybe doesn't have anything to do with you, I think it's okay to check in on your friends and maybe remind them what, what they've said or what they want and, and, you know, help inspire them again. Because I think we can get, especially now, we can get off the beaten path and it's always good to, like, refocus and... And have people, you know, reconfirm things about yourself that you think that maybe you haven't heard from yourself in a while or that because you haven't seen your friends, you haven't like heard from them in a while. Because I think it's easy to make stories and narratives about friends. Um, and fill in the blanks. Yeah, it's really easy to fill in the blanks. Like I've, I feel like there was a friend group of mine just because they stopped chatting in the group chat that I thought they had a group chat without me and that they didn't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> like, you know, just insane things that have no race basis in reality. But it's just like, because it's a weird time period. Yeah. And like, what is there to talk about? There's not a lot going on. I mean, there is a ton going on, but you know what I mean? Like, personally, it's kind of like a weird time period. Yeah, so. there's not much changing in our day-to-day lives. Yeah. Yeah, and it's easy to get stuck in your routine where, you know, you do the same thing over and over and you don't think about, like, because when you're out doing stuff, you know, going here, going there, you think, oh, like, something new happened to me. Let me text my friends and tell them. And it's like, now it's like, I wake up, I eat, I sleep. You know, repeat. Shit, I don't even do some of those things sometimes. I just I pick. I don't even eat sometimes or sleep. Yeah. But yeah, it's very it's very simplistic and it's hard to like. Now we're not forced to like keep our friends in the loop or part of that that day to day because it's so isolated and so quarantined. Yeah. And don't assume you know what's going on with your friends either. You know, you think, oh, I'm not doing anything. They're not doing anything. They might be doing something. They might need your help with something. You don't know. Check in. It's interesting who we consider friends at the end of the day. Most of the time, it's people we choose to bring in our lives. Other times, it's bound by blood, by proximity, extracurriculars, or the institutions we're involved. Not one friend is treated the same, yet we live in a world that cries out for equality. Equality isn't ideal for when we are not made of the same circumstances, values, and conditions. For myself personally, I strive to treat my friends instead equitably, I will do my best to be received in the same way and distance among all my friends and all my circles. That's not to say that I won't fall short or make a misstep along the way. But unless I clearly stated that I don't want to fuck with you anymore, the energy remains the same that day we became friends. We just have to reignite it. So I have some questions for those who are listening. Like, are friends an important part of your life or friends just a distraction? What does... Friendship mean to you, or are you putting too much on that title in the first place? What about your friends? Will they stand their ground? Will they let you down again? Are they going to be low down? Will they ever be around? Or will they turn their backs on you? T-Boss, left eye, chili. Wait, that last part. <laughs> was what? that a song? 
Maybe. Well, what's that? TLC or something? <laughs> what about your friends? I don't know that Will one. Will they stand their ground? Will they let you down? Hey. We've come oh, full circle, baby. Yeah, see? You got There's a singing teacher that I'm telling y'all I could take over the world right now. Let's do it. Let's get these singers up in here. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five-star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.